The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Happy New Year, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Enriquez. And with my co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hi, Dr. Benjamin. Hello there. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. In honor of February being Heart Health Month, we invited Adriana Pazman to take us on a journey and talk to us today about her 16-year-old daughter, Ariana, who underwent a successful heart transplant in September of 2017. Before we get to their intriguing interview, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee chat talking and learning more about really congenital heart defects and some real innovative ways with technology to provide promote health-centric wearables for kids. And that's fantastic. That's what technology should be used for, to promote healthy well-being for kids, not just distractions and disruptions. Exactly. So before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hi, I'm George, teacher here at the hospital, and you are listening to Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, let's bring in one of our producers, Bahadi, with what's making news in the parenting world. Hey, Bahadi. Hi, Hi there, Bahadi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's never too late to say Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. I'm, I'm glad to see you both um, are in good spirits as we kick off our new year. Um, so the first news topic up for discussion, like Dr. Benjamin mentioned, uh, February is Heart Month, and we wanted to bring... Um, to the attention to parents, some of the discussion around wearables for kids to encourage wellness. So according to national survey statistics, about 72%, that's almost three quarters of the U.S.'s children don't get at least 20 minutes a day of rigorous activity. And of course, we know that the, the general message is that everyone, regardless of their age, should be getting at least 30 minutes of physical activity a day. Absolutely. Um, with childhood ob- obesity on the rise, unfortunately, some parents may be looking to tech to help. So originally, we all became aware of wearables as a way to just track our steps. How many steps? It was a great way to kind of get into the, the mode of being physically active when it's really tough yeah. after work or, you know, you just don't have the time. So as the market evolved, parents began to demand wearables for kids, but and really to stay up to date with their kids, like tracking them for safety reasons, yeah. obviously. Um, but also, the next step is helping their kids to be reminded about being active. Absolutely. So actually measuring, um, you know, giving them opportunities for, like, games to engage them or tracking their blood pressure. Right. So, it, so it, it's, it's an interesting space right now because, uh, again, like, wearables were mainly for adults to track their steps. Now we're evolving, and it's like parents are actually saying, you know what? I think my child may need something in addition to parents or teachers telling them to exercise, like this wearable technology. No, yeah, it keeps, keeps them aware. It's, you know, it can be fashionable. Yep. It actually probably stems from, you know, Pokemon Go. Mm. Pokemon Go is where you walked around to throw yes. Pokemon, and that was actually saying that kids are finally getting out there into, yes. the, un- into the universe, into the environment. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, right. you know, before it became a little prior, it was, it was yeah. a lot of, of fun because yeah. you saw kids... 
everywhere. Yes, you know, and adults. And adults. It was and a great way to get out exactly. and start moving. So yeah. I'm surprised that that only now are we demanding Fitbits for kids when I thought that, you know, that's kind of a no-brainer. Kids love these things. They'll run around. They'll play. They'll, they'll make it a game with each other. I sure. did more steps than you. I'm better. Right, you know, right. It, well, you know, you know. Simple competition. Yeah, I agree. So incentivizing wellness is the key. And there's that terminology that with all these software developments mm-hmm. and all these apps, gamification came yes. in where you yes. have to engage kids mm-hmm. and play with games. So I love this play on word, this playification. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to have these kids play. And so what this would look like is you have an air guitar and you can play with your friends and have movement and mm-hmm. rhythm. And so I agree. This is really an exciting time. I Exciting think so. time and a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get with it. It also makes me think of Wii when we first I came out. I was going to say the Wii Fit, yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone plays it anymore. No, uh, no, no. Because, because the, the, the Wii Fit, you know, when you step on it originally, yeah. you know, it, it'll weigh you. And, and if you are oh. above a certain weight, it'll, it'll go, oh, you're overweight. No. Or, or it'll go, oh, you're obese. No, seriously. It's are a cute voice, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize so that. It goes, it just like, oh, you're overweight. Oh, you're obese. Just like that. Just wow. like that. But it was a way to trick you into because there were some really fun games yeah, on, the, yeah. on the Wii Fit. Yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that to trick them into, into, into fitness. It was hot. Yeah, it was hot. It was very minus, trendy. Minus that voice. Yes. Because you have to weigh yourself. <laughs> well, I'd hate to hear that I'm obese. Um, oh. And we try and stay away from that in pediatrics exactly. to use those words to them. Exactly. But one thing that's fun in the buzz is that there is potentially a smartwatch for kids that they can start tracking your sugar levels. So those yes. families where you have a child with diabetes, this may be a really um, comforting measure for the parents and the child to kind of know where their blood sugar is at in the dame. Yes. And again, to promote this incentivized wellness where they can go ahead and have movement and exercise to keep their sugar levels in moderation along with their diet. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Or even an ele- electronic like uh, emergency bracelet that says what you're allergic mm-hmm. to and, and contact information that yes. can all be grouped into it. Yes, this yes. is perfect. This the is a great potential. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> a good potential to transform child health. Indeed. So this is great. Just don't tell the, you know, the children that can be potentially used for tracking. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's that all. is another part it's of it. It's fashionable and for your safety. <laughs> um, don't worry about that dot on the screen. <laughs> So later on in, t- in today's show, again, going back to February being Heart Month, we have a wonderful story, um, our first patient story from a mom and her daughter. They experienced a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. And so um, the young girl, she's a teen, um, she experienced a congenital heart defect when she was uh, diagnosed at the age of six months. So it's really interesting. Um, according to the CDC, 1% or 40,000 babies are born every year with a congenital heart defect. Really? And it's actually the number one birth defect of all U.S. babies. I didn't know that. That was a really interesting fact. That is very interesting. I wonder if that's an environmental or a dietary or just genetics. Dr. Benjamin? Well, um, so congenital heart defects, there's 18 distinct types that are recognized. So it's a lump of many different categories. Mm-hmm. So you have yep. your very simple, tiny, what well, you hear, the hole in the heart that yes. kind of close spontaneously. Yeah. So you have your minimally complicated, like your um, VSD, your uh, PDAs, your ASDs. And then you can get to the extreme where you have larger defects that are complicating breathing and other qualities of life, wow. such as your pulmonary or aortic valve stenosis. So this encompasses at least 18 types. Mm. And that, you know, 
puts the numbers up to being the number one birth defect. Is treating that uh, difficult or can it be cured? Is it, is it something that can be cured? Or is well, nowadays we have mm-hmm. um, much better options. So Hist- typically, yeah. you historically, um, they would try heart medications that may or may not work as well. Then they went to heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Now you have um, heart carter- uh, catters- uh, sorry catheterization where mm-hmm. it's a procedure we can kind of target. It depends on which congenital defect you're right, talking right. about and you carry your symptoms there. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. For treatment. Like Dr. Benjamin saying, historically being born with a congenital heart disease, um, there was treatment, but unfortunately a lot of times that it was a death sentence for a lot of babies because the medical technology was just not advanced enough. Just wasn't there yet. Mm-mm. But today, um, because of improved medical care, um, Children can live well until their adult years um, if they have if they were born with a congenital heart disease. And I'm sure both of you have uh, heard about uh, Jimmy Kimmel, the late night talk show host. He Who doesn't know Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> right, right. He recently um, mentioned talked about his little boy having a congenital heart defect. So, tetralogy of Philo, just for our audience, yes. there's uh, four chambers of the heart. So, quick anatomy yes. lessons, right? Yes. So, we have two top know. chambers, a smaller. <laughs> okay, I'll go real slow. <laughs> there's two top chambers: your atrium. You know, you have a right and a left side, and then you have two larger, um, the workhorse, so to say, of the horse bottom chambers: your ventricles. And so tetralogy, tetra, meaning four, you're going to have four problems with your heart system. Mm. So in this case, um, regarding Jimmy Kimmel, if you have tetralogy follow, the problems will be you'll have a hole between the lower chambers. Mm. You'll have obstruction somewhere in the pathway from the heart to the lungs. You'll have your aorta, which is your big pumping vessel. This aorta will have a connection to a, over a hole in the lower chamber. And then you'll have uh, a thickened muscle of the ventricle or the lower chamber. So, again, very complicated. It sounds complicated. Um, exactly. So there's a lot of defects within one syndrome here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he, um, fortunately, he successfully uh, had a really successful um, surgery, Jimmy Kimmel's baby. Um, but unfortunately, what also I learned is um, oftentimes when children become uh, go into their puberty years, so they're adolescent, 12, 13, 14, they experience that growth spurt, and that's when the problem sets that's in. That's when it triggers the, the condition? So there's going to be increased demand on the heart mm-hmm. system, the pump itself. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through a birth, uh, birth uh, sorry, growth spurt, mm-hmm. um, when you're exercising, you know, even just age will change um, the demands if you're pregnant. Mm. So there's a lot mm. of overlap. So you may start out as a child with heart issues, but then there's other things. Your love, you know, what you do as an employment, it can affect your employment, the stressors that you may add wow. to your heart. So there's a lot of confounding variables that go into consideration as they age out mm-hmm. of the pediatric system, such mm-hmm. as pregnancy, that's really going to be impactful in their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Is this a condition or conditions, the different conditions? Can... Can these pediatrics that uh, that are diagnosed with this, can they foresee themselves living a, uh, how do I want to say this, uh, comfortable life, a, a you know, reasonable standard of, of care when they're, when they're in adulthood? That's a goal. Yeah. And so oftentimes, because they could be so complex, that's why they'll require a heart transplant, as we'll hear later in our story, mm-hmm. where in order to be able to breathe and function and be comfortable and live a normal life, yeah. it may get to that level where you'll need an organ, mm-hmm. a new organ altogether. Last but not least, um, one final comment is since congenital heart defects require ongoing medical care, 
Um, if you are a parent of a child who's about to age out, like transition between your pediatric um, physician to an adult or primary care physician, it's important. It's something to, to consider and talk about your pediatrician because that transition uh, to the adult care can be a little bumpy. Yeah, a little jarring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's important that they obviously continue to get uh, ongoing care as they transition into adulthood. Very important, very important. Exactly. One thing I would say for the parents, uh, the listeners, really advocate uh, for your child. I know doctors, we do that. We, especially in pediatrics, want to make sure that you have a smooth transition, especially with these rare complicated conditions, and to reach out to either your colleagues or people well-known in your area that specialize in management of these and really have that crosstalk and that dialogue with the adult physician that will assume care. So um, whether there seems to be none, just keep asking, talking, reaching out. And just like your pediatrician or your physician, they're going to advocate with you for your child. Um, And that process, I would say, start at least a year in advance before you think you're going to transition into adult care. Identify the doctor, meet the doctor, speak with them, almost like an interview, Mm -hmm. like a job interview. Feel the comfort level. Do you feel that they're not only competent and capable, but caring and willing to deliver that additional level of care that you need for your child. So very important. Very important. Mm -hmm. Great discussion, guys. Thank you so much, Bahadi. Before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. For eight years, thousands have been united by one cause, to support Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital at its annual Tour de Broward event, Funds benefit the entire hospital. You can ride, run, walk, have fun with your family in the Power of Play Kids Zone, or simply donate to the 2018 Tour de Broward being held on February 25. Visit tourdebroward.com to register and help make a difference. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Now let's sit back and listen to today's interview with Adriana Basmin. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adriana. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. So tell us about your journey. First of all, Adriana was diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy when she was six months old. Uh, had never had any problems, had never been admitted. Um, in May of 2017, she started feeling sick, uh, complaining of stomach pains. Uh, initially went to, we initially went to Memorial West. They brought us over here to Joe Dean. Uh, and it turns out that Ariana was uh, having problems with her heart. So Ariana is a 16-year-old young lady whom we uh, met after she became unwell. She had a lot of symptoms of progressive heart failure, a lot of GI complaints, a lot of stomach pain, um, food intolerance, vomiting. And these are the kind of symptoms that we see in young people who have cardiomyopathy and low heart output when they just don't get enough good blood flow to their abdomen and their intestines and their stomach. That is Marion Croissant, a pediatric cardiologist and director of the Pediatric Heart Transplant, Heart Failure, and Cardiomyopathy Program at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. So she presented this way. She had had symptoms for quite a while. And um, though she was known to have cardiomyopathy and had been followed since about two years of life, really, by one of our wonderful community cardiologists, Vince Lemus, and she was on a nice cocktail of medications and had done really well for that whole time, she sort of out of the blue started to develop these symptoms. And um, 
the family, um, because she'd not really had symptoms of heart failure before, um, really treated it as a stomach ailment and not a cardiac condition. And it took a little while to sort out, but then by the time um, it became apparent that these symptoms were due to worsening heart output, she was admitted in, in our intensive care unit and um, really quite unwell. And that was when we met her. And uh, our terrific ICU team did a great job of managing her and, and um, you know, bringing her to a point where she was comfortable and in stable heart failure. And we were able to adjust medications and you know, worked to get her out of the hospital again at that point just as a trial. So we stayed for a couple of days. We were released, uh, not knowing exactly if we were going to need to come back. We had touched based initially about maybe transplant. We were hoping that she would, you know, change with the change of medications. She would, you know, just go back to being herself. Mm -hmm. um, not even a month later, we had to come back to Jodi. Mm -hmm. And from there on, Dr. Kristen said, you know what, you guys are staying here. You know, Ariana needs to be put on the transplant list because, you know, she needs a new heart. She's not doing well. Um, that was difficult because mm -hmm. you're just like processing like, wait a minute, my kid was okay last week. She was, right. you know, going to school and now all of a sudden, you know, she's not. It's very challenging because, you know, there are many children who have their cardiomyopathies for a number of years and they do well. And then something happens. Either they get sick with something, some infectious process, they go through a growth spurt or whatever. And um, then their heart function just can't keep up with the metabolic needs of their bodies. And that's when they start to get symptoms. And it's a real challenge for families because they've had this child who's had a heart condition, but who's been relatively well and able to go, go to school and have friends and so forth. And then they get very sick. So it sometimes takes a little while for everyone to settle into this new diagnosis for their child. And um, she went home for a brief period of time and then came back. And we had told the family it would be very likely that she would have to come back and then we would have to talk about the next step. And the next step is talking about uh, cardiac transplantation and evaluating the child and the family for cardiac transplantation. So um, we were getting through that process of, of getting on the donor list, mm -hmm. which I didn't know that initially you had to even go through a process. That was meeting with psychologists mm -hmm. and surgeons and, and social workers, mm -hmm. and everybody's very supportive. Um, Ariana also has to be interviewed. Oh. You know, she has to be on board. Mm -hmm. She gives her okay, and that's more difficult because then you're like, wait a minute, she's 16, right. and I'm How the mom. That? Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm the mom you know, how do I tell my daughter, you know, this is what you need. Right. Uh, again, thank God for child life. Yes. You know, we work with Miss Kelly and she was wonderful. And tell us about that experience with child life specialists. Cause that's very unique. It is. Um, I, you know, humbly, I have a background in psychology, but I'm her mom, you know, and I try to say, mommy, you know, sometimes when we're not doing well, we need to have certain things. And she, her initial reaction was to freak out, like, what are you talking about? Right, what do right. you mean? And then I was just like, and I got a knot in my throat, mm -hmm. and I realized I, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, Child Life um, steps in. They're specialists, and it's just not that they have a psychology background. You know, they have a medical background as well because there are certain terminologies and, and certain questions that kids are going to come up with that, you know, as a mom, you don't know how to answer. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and she had a really good initial response. So like, well, where is this coming from? What do I have to do? Mm. And it's, you know, one of the things that they explained to her initially was like, you know what? You have nothing to do with what's happened. That's someone else's tragedy. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you don't have anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. And you know they assist. You know she was okay with it. Mm-hmm. It it was explained to her. I couldn't. I I couldn't handle it. I'll be honest with you. I can tough out a lot of things, but being in that room right. when they explained it to her, I I couldn't do that. Uh, Dad stepped in and he was there and you know. He liked the way that they explained him. You know, they have, um, you know, they use iPads and pictures if they have any questions. And it is explained to them in a way that, you know, that they can understand. Um, You know, Ariana has mild autism, but she still has autism. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that she may not grasp as well as any typical Mm 16-year-old. And Miss Kelly was, you know, child life was amazing. You know, I I don't know. I don't think I could have gotten through, you know, what we went through if it wasn't because of, you know, everyone in the team, but specifically Miss Kelly and, mm-hmm. and the music department was amazing with Adriana. You said the music department. Oh, yeah. Please tell us about the music oh, department. Oh, music therapy. Adriana loves music. Okay. And Miss Stephanie was our was our music... Um, do you know who Miss Stephanie is? She was a therapist. Yes, yes, she's our music therapist. And and she was wonderful, Adriana. She knows she comes by and she knows all her music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she comes with her iPad and her guitar. And, you know, they start jamming. And it's like you disconnect. Yes. Yes. And, you know, music is therapy for all of us, mm-hmm. but for kids, especially for someone like Adriana yeah. and with autism, right. it was so key wow. to her, you know, coping with oh. everything. I don't know what I would have done without my team. Wow. To me, they're our team. They're our village. They're my village. <laughs> That's what I say. It takes a village to raise a child. They're That's my great. village. So, you know. That's great. So let's go back just a little bit. So just so our listeners can understand, when Ariana was a little girl, she hadn't been She'd been diagnosed with a heart condition, but she was fine. She was perfectly healthy, normal, toddler. She would. She was delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certain milestones mm-hmm. weren't met, mm-hmm. but you know, she also has autism, mm-hmm. so it could have gone hand in hand, mm-hmm. or, or or you know, one trumped the other. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, when it came to physical activity, she would get tired easily compared to other children. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't anything that she didn't not want to participate in and right. couldn't. Right. In, you know, dancing, like I said, music, you know, she loves music, she mm-hmm. loves to dance, um, she would go to school, mm-hmm. we would go to the beach, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a concern. It, we had gotten to the point where we were just seeing our cardiologist, mm-hmm. you know, once a year. Wow. So it was not on our, not that it wasn't a priority, of course, your child has a heart condition, but we were okay, we had reached a point, you know, but um, they think that, you know, puberty yes. kicked in. Yes. Um, again, one of the best explanations I got was actually from one of our friends here, Christian. He was also a patient here and luckily, thank God he, you know, he got his heart too. Mm -hmm. And he explained that, you know, sometimes the brain's telling you, Hey, it's time to, you know, we're growing up. Right. But the brain doesn't know that, you know, your heart's already dilated. Mm -hmm. It can't keep growing, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what happened with Adriana. You know, she hit puberty and then boom. Uh, While we were processing, you know, processing her, um, Getting her heart being put on the donor list, Ariana started to regress. She got worse. We were here and we felt safe, but, you know, her heart just, it, it, she just, she was ill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she wasn't getting enough oxygenation to her, you know, to her stomach. And and she started throwing up. And it, mm-hmm. You know, it was really sad. And, mm-hmm. and all, through this whole process, you know, I was just like, you know what, God, if, if this is your will, mm-hmm. you know, we'll accept it. But I just don't want to see my baby suffer. And she started suffering. Her degree of heart failure was more than we could support just using intravenous medications. And at that point, we decided that she needed to have an implantable ventricular assist device, a mechanical 
heart device that would help her heart output and, and help her heart to pump. And um, that worked like a charm for her. And as always, families and patients, when they're old enough, they uh, they sort of hesitate, you know, it's that feeling of like, wait a minute, you're going to do one operation just to get me through to another operation? Well, you sort of need that first operation to implant the heart assist device to make you well enough for the heart transplant. Because when we do the heart transplant, that's going to be, that heart's going to be yours for life. And we want to make sure that you're in as best condition possible to go through this and really do well. And the ventricular assist devices allow these young people to really rehabilitate and a lot of the symptoms of heart failure go away. Many times children can't eat before the ventricular assist device because of the you know the, the poor blood flow to their stomach and abdominal organs. They don't have much of an appetite but on the ventricular assist device this all goes away and their appetites come back and they can eat. Many times they're too weak to really walk around and um, you know, really exercise on the ventricular assist devices. They're able to walk around and we encourage them to exercise and so forth. So they're really much better after VAD implantation than before. The device gets placed in on August 10th. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what's wonderful about that device uh, compared to the Berlin Heart, mm -hmm. it's that it's portable. Right. And it's great for you know, for someone like for Adriana's age, mm -hmm. because she's a little girl that likes to dance. Right, of course. And Very we active. want we only have we have videos of her dancing, and it's like a little cross body bag. Oh. So you know, we were gonna. So it kind of blends in. Exactly, with the exactly. <laughs> you know, and the physical they're not physical. Well, the physical therapist team mm -hmm. is here is wonderful, but they're called the physical intent. I forgot. I don't know. Shout out to John and Taylor. Sorry, okay. they're the. I forgot their exact title, uh -huh. but they're amazing. You know, and they. Adina started exploring things that she didn't know that her own body could do. You wow. know, she was doing yoga and, and Miss Beth with her, her aromatherapy was amazing. And Adina started working out. She started you know pumping iron and you know, Adina, all with the LVAD. All with all with the LVAD. Wow. All with the LVAD. and walking and you know they were they were wonderful. Mm -hmm. So. It's like Dr. Turner mentioned, you know, Ariana needed this device to be placed in so that she could get stronger mm -hmm. for when for her heart, transplant. for the transplant. Mm -hmm. And we were actually going to have um, like an academic session mm -hmm. as far as like, you know, they train us and whoever lives in the house and, you know, my mom lives with me and they were going to train us as far as, you know, how to deal with the device and because that has to be, that is serious okay. that needs to be hooked up all the time mm -hmm. there's no like oh you know one battery's dead you know we'll wait for the other one to back you know kick in no so we were going to get that training mm -hmm. on wednesday and we got the call tuesday september 5th we got the call three o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and i'll never forget megan's words were we have a heart we have a beautiful heart for her i will i shot out of the bed my little one was sleeping with me at the time and she we were like oh, she was like what dad was hurt with ariana at the hospital i'm like of course <laughs> Dad gets to be in the hospital to get the call first. You know, I'm at home with the other two. Right. So I'm like, what? And I was like, oh, my God. So then, like, I'm, like, screaming. And my, my little one's like, what's going on? And I'm like, Adina's got a heart. Adina's got a heart. And I'm like, you know, knocking on doors. And I'm like, Adina's got a heart. Adina's got a heart. And, you know, and I'm like, what do I do? Do I go over there? And he's like, you know, Megan was like, calm down. She's like, you know, it's tomorrow, but it's not going to be until the afternoon. Okay. Calm down. And I'm like, who's going to calm down now? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, you know, what do I do? What do right. I do? And I'm like, okay, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And I'm like, you know what I mean? And of course, you know, I, I did think of the donor family. Like, you think about them like, because oh you know what has to happen yes. for you know, 
in order for you to get a heart right. for your child. But, and no one wishes that. Of course Never not. through this journey did I say, oh my God, please don't say that. I was just like, you know what? You know, the doctors told us, you know, that's a that's someone else's tragedy. You had nothing to do with that, mm-hmm. you know. And I was thankful for them, and I was happy for my child because my child was getting a second chance. Yes, yes. You know, so if great. what words would you have to say to the donor family? Oh, God bless you, God bless you, and thank God that you know that He gave you the courage and the insight uh, to be able to step outside the pain that you were going through. To um, I'm gonna start crying now. Okay. okay. <laughs> to think of someone else, because that takes a lot of courage. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's perfectly natural. So the heart transplant took place September fifth. Fifth. <clears throat> so how long was Ariana in the hospital before she had to come home? Oh, that's, we got released September sixteenth. So eleven days. That's I it. know. That's amazing. And you see the video of her dancing with the nurses. They're in a conga line. And you're like, how is I that possible? Still, I would still look at her in awe like, really? This doesn't match. You just had two surgeries within three weeks. Because August 10th was right. the LVAD. Right. September 5th was, you know, the heart transplant. And I'm looking at this child like, and I'm trying to not show any emotion, but I would look at her and I would, you know, look at her chest. And I'm like, and she was just like, I'm... You know, how did you feel, Mama? I had to say, I felt so good. I mean, it was so awesome for me to dance with all those nurses. Uh-huh. Man, I felt like I was... I felt like I would just be the champion of very good at dancing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were. Like a little diva? Dancer. Yes. A little dancing diva. <laughs> so how's the recovery been? It's been almost how long? Uh, Six, five months. Five months. Five months. Five months. Yeah. Uh, it's good. She hasn't had any hiccups, thank God. Good. You know, she good. hasn't had any hiccups. Um, you think it's just, okay, she's got a transplant, you know, two weeks later, mm-hmm. we're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Man, no, there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, she goes to uh, rehabilitation services three times a week. Okay. She goes to the gym. How's the gym been for you, Mama? Anything you want to say about the gym? Well, I got to say, the gym has given me a whole Some lot muscle. of muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So. Yeah. You should probably see these guns right Ooh, now. Oh, she got some. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. So that's amazing. She's doing things that she didn't know that she could do. Wow. So hopefully, you know, next week we're going to start with swimming. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, she's nice. always, her, my little one would always leave her behind. My youngest is 11 oh, years old, Valentina, uh-huh. and she would always leave Ariana behind when uh-huh. it came to swimming. Uh-huh. So, but, you know, one of the things that she said, you know, now I'm going to be able to beat my sister. That's right. <laughs> so, um, it's a long, you know, recovery is um, you start off twice a week mm-hmm. coming to the heart station mm-hmm. and they check its blood work um, and, you know, checking medication and they're just really supportive here. So it makes it easier. Um, and now we're down to once a month. Okay. So right. we've graduated to once a month. Right, Mama? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any words of wisdom that either of you want to share to our listeners, either to parents or kids who may be going through a similar experience? Uh, definitely for us. Like, I, um, like I've said before, you know, we're a very spiritual family. Um, faith 
is, is, is definitely a big part of what got me through it mm-hmm. as a parent. Uh, secondly, you know, trusting your doctors, which I, sometimes it's not easy. But when you observe that it's not like a one-man show or a one-woman show that, you know, you feel that support, then you trust. And when you trust them, you feel safe. And then when the parent feels safe, the child feels safe because you can exude that to your child. You can transmit that to them. And that's what happened with Ariana. Ariana, you know, once I felt safe, she felt safe. You know, and when we got the LVAD and they started talking about, okay, we're going to be going home soon. Ariana looked at me and she had that insight inside of her. And she said, mommy, we can't go home yet. She's mm. like, this is where we're safe. Mm. This is where we're safe. And we can't go home until I get my heart. Do you remember saying that, mama? Yes, I do. Any words of wisdom that you want to share to other kids, Ariana? What would you tell other kids? Well, I just want to tell everyone who who is about to get their heart changed, don't be nervous. It's all going to be okay. All you have to do is just trust your nurses and trust your parents as well. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Shout out to the nurses. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, there was an entire team, social oh, workers, team. rehabilitation. Everyone, you know, everyone just gives, they make you feel so comfortable here. You know, our valet guys, you know, we come here, I come back, and I'm hugging the valet guys. You know, registration is amazing. Miss Rose, the nurse downstairs. Everyone is a security guards. Everyone, we we just have so much love for Joe D. It's like it's like I feel like we're the walking poster girls for Joe D. But you know because I don't know, we just felt so safe here, and I and I'm so appreciative to everyone, to everyone, the intensivists, the nurses, everyone, I the pharmacy, everyone. I just I can't. I wish I could name every single person. I swear, I wish I could name everyone and. And absolutely, the other families that are here and they're they're going through it, and you know we supported each other as well because, mm-hmm. as much as your family and friends want to ask you and support you and say, "Hey, how are things going?" Unless you're going through it, you just don't know. Your heart can go out to it, but unless you know and you can say, "Hey, you know what? My child's on that list too." You just don't know, you know, because you're actually watching. God forbid, you know, your child fade and you can't do anything, and you're just hoping and praying for that donor. So the real heroes here, again, are the donor families, you know. But, you know, Ariana had a good, you know, she had a good team. For more information on congenital heart defects, check out these quick tips from Dr. Emmanuel Turner, a pediatric cardiac surgeon at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hello, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Turner, and I'm a pediatric and congenital heart surgeon at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. The term heart failure describes a heart that's not functioning properly. It does not mean that the heart has stopped working, but that it is not working as well as it should be. Heart problem symptoms can be broken down into two different categories. One, serious congenital heart defects, and two, less serious congenital heart defects. Serious congenital heart defects usually become evident soon after birth or during the first few months of life. Signs and symptoms may include pale gray or blue skin color, also known as cyanosis, rapid breathing, shortness of breath during feedings, poor weight gain, or failure to thrive. Less serious congenital heart defects 
may not be diagnosed until later in childhood because your child may not have any noticeable signs of a problem. If signs and symptoms are evident in older children, they may include easily becoming short of breath during exercise or physical activity, easily tiring during exercise or physical activity, fainting during exercise or physical activity, swelling in hands, ankles, or feet. If you identify any of these symptoms, please see your doctor who will make the right examination and identify if there's something to worry about. Thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Share it with others and visit us on Joe DiMaggio's Facebook page.